Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 271 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Although the main honey crops of the summer are finished for us now, I did find a little bonus nectar coming in this week. It's also time to start preparing colonies for the months ahead. The final days of summer will slip away quickly now, so don't delay. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Hi everyone, welcome back. I hope you're all well and have had a reasonable summer beekeeping. It's been a pretty wet one for sure, and there seems to be no sign of any settled weather heading our way soon. Here at home, we've had some very heavy rainfall, mixed in with some warm sunshine during the days, but the unsettled nature continues to affect our beekeeping, and we now switch our focus to health checks and food checks, and all the autumn routines of treatments and feeding. I'll explain more of my planned routine for the coming autumn period in a while, but first, more of those wasps, those pesky little creatures are at it again. It might surprise some of you to hear that we still have some colonies on the borage and pumpkins. I'll come back to the wasps in a moment. The pumpkins have set fruits, yet they continue to send out male flowers, and these are loaded with pollen. The colonies near to the pumpkin fields are all over it right now, bringing back heavy loads of bright yellow pollen. And because some of the colonies are set on the very edge of the pumpkin field, I can watch them fly out of the hive and straight into the middle of the pumpkins to forage. Much needed pollen at this time of the year, and it has a hugely positive effect on our colonies. Firstly, queens can continue to lay strongly. Some of our hives have as many as eight frames of brood still, the pollen coming in mainly being used to feed young larvae. Secondly, with the huge amount of excess pollen, the bees are able to store it away for the winter months as the brood nests do eventually reseed and get smaller. As they shrink, the empty cells will be backfilled with food stores so the colony doesn't have to shift too far over the colder days to come. Meanwhile, back to those wasps, the remaining colonies on the borage are into a second flush of flowers right now and enjoying a little extra bonus nectar and pollen too. When the borage is cut, the remaining stalks seem to immediately send out emergency flower buds, a desperate attempt, if you like, to ensure that they get some seeds to mature before the autumn sets in proper. It's also noticeable that where the borage has been cut, quite an amount of the main crop, particularly along the edges, has been missed altogether, meaning these plants are still sending out secondary flower shoots too. All in all, a nice post-summer bonus. We were at the borage just this week, collecting the empty, unused supers to return for storage this year. And while I was there, I thought it prudent just to check on several of the colonies to make sure that they were doing okay. 
we don't generally bring the bees back too early from the borage because of the chance of this second flush of nectar. And to my surprise, several of the colonies had filled supers that were placed on them when we cleared the bees for the summer honey crop. So much so, in fact, that I had to add an additional super to a couple of them, such as the amount of nectar coming into these hives. It looks like we may get an additional number of supers off the borage post-cutting this year. For those colonies not storing honey in the super, they won't need feeding anytime soon. They've packed borage honey into every available space in their brood boxes and just lifting the crime boards or removing the integral feeders on the Technoset hives splits open the brace comb and light honey drips out of it. The Technoset hives have this integral fondant feeder space and most, if not all of them, appear to have used this space to build additional comb and fill it with honey and pollen. Happy days for us because buying in syrup seems to be getting more and more expensive. Anyway, back to these wasps. I noticed a couple of colonies being targeted by wasps. Obviously, smaller colonies and boy, those wasps really know it. The entrances, although closed down by half, were being overrun by wasps. Lifting the roof and exposing the frames saw a cloud of yellow and black stripes explode upwards and out of the hive, totally destroyed and almost completely robbed out. These hives are being left in position now. It's too late to save them, but they can help the other colonies to survive. And here's how. While the wasps are focusing on these vulnerable colonies, they're keeping away from the stronger ones, and that means those colonies have a better chance of survival. If you have several colonies in an apiary and one is being robbed out by wasps, my advice would be to leave it until later in the autumn when the wasp problem literally dies out. Then you can remove it and get it cleaned up ready for reuse. If you take it away now, the wasps will simply go looking for another target in your apiary. You may notice orientation flights taking place later in the day right now too. I was at our fishing lakes apiary the other day, cutting the grass, would you believe? It was getting quite late in the day, around 4pm, and all of a sudden, several of the colonies seemed to erupt with bees. You could easily be mistaken for thinking that they were about to swarm. There were so many bees at the entrances. But, and this should help any new beekeepers out there, if you look closely, you'll notice that they come out of the hive and turn back to face the entrance, looking directly at where they've come from, orientating themselves to their new surroundings. It's all good and nothing to worry about. Take a seat and enjoy the spectacle. This is also the point at which you may well see some hornets in and around the apiary, now I hasten to add, these are European hornets. Most of us will currently only be seeing European hornets, but there have been growing numbers of sightings, confirmed sightings, of Asian hornets. These can be checked on the National Bee Unit website. So far in 2023, there have been 19 Asian hornet nests found in 17 locations, according to the Rolling Asian Hornet Update page. And I'll put a link to it in the podcast notes for you. It's really important we all stay vigilant 
and know the differences between a European hornet and an Asian hornet. Again, check out the details on the National Bee Unit website. There are also links there to identification pages. I spotted two European hornets in my apiary at the fishing lakes this week. It's why I mention them. They were hovering around the entrances of a couple of the colonies that were exploding with bees on orientation flights. An easy meal, I guess. The hovering flight pattern is known as hawking, and whilst gruesome, it is also quite fascinating. I'm pleased to say I only saw two hornets, and they weren't having a great deal of luck in grabbing any bees while I was watching. This year seems to have been quieter for wasps and hornets at the fishing lakes. I'm not yet seeing a huge amount of activity, certainly nowhere near as much wasp activity as I'm seeing at the Borage Apiary, and I have to say I'm very pleased about that. It would be nice to have a quieter end to the season than we had last year. The key now, I think, is to ensure that all of our colonies are closed down at the entrances to a size that they can easily protect against wasps. This will vary depending on the size of your nuke or colony. A very strong colony with plenty of emerging brood will cope quite well enough with a standard small entrance, something around 4 or 5 centimetres in length. This will give the largest colonies room to get in and out. Something of a bottleneck here is to be encouraged. I would say generally at this time of the year, bees queuing to get into the hive means wasps will certainly be spotted and dealt with. For nucleus colonies or smaller colonies in full-size hives, I would reduce this entrance further, one or two centimetres, a single bee space maybe, just enough space for a honeybee to squeeze in and out of. Restrict the entrance so that you give those smaller colonies a fighting chance of protecting themselves. A while back I reported on several swarms that had appeared in the storage barn where we were pollinating the spring oilseed rape and vetch crops. There were three swarms and each had decided to settle in varying places on and in stacks of supers that we'd set up there for the spring and summer crops. Two of the swarms had arrived and found their way into the supers themselves, and one had decided it wanted to set up base between two stacks of supers. I posted some pictures of this particular swarm on the Patreon page. It was really quite impressive. Over the following weeks, I moved the swarm on wild comb into a couple of supers and set up the other two swarms in supers in their own right. Basically, being short on time, I put the supers onto a floor and added a feeder and roof on top of that. Honestly, I pretty much left them to their own devices for the summer. Well, this last week, I moved them back to the Fishing Lakes Apiary gave them a couple of days to settle down and then carried out my first inspections of them. It was really quite interesting. Oh, and I also have a small colony from our warm room to inspect. I can't remember if I've relayed the story of that one. My apologies if I'm repeating myself, but when we carried out the extraction of the borage honey, I found a super with around four frames of sealed brood, no eggs or larvae, but two sealed queen cells. I left it in the warm room, eventually moving it out to the fishing lakes apiary as a single super on a floor with a roof and feeder. 
to my surprise, one of the queen cells emerged in the warm room and having had a week or two at the fishing lakes apiary, has managed to get out and successfully mate. On my first inspection of them, there were eggs and very young larvae. Don't you just love it when things like that happen? It's a small nucleus colony now that will probably need to be united with another colony as they are so small, but it's just great to have gotten them outside and see the queen mated. Now back to these other three swarms. Of the three newly formed colonies, only one is a prime swarm. How could I tell? Well, this was the largest of all the swarms, and the queen within it had a large smudge of yellow over her thorax, wings and abdomen. Someone had tried to mark her and succeeded in marking her from top to bottom. Now, I don't think she's one of mine. I'm pretty good at marking queens these days, even though I say so myself. But never say never, though. I just don't think that she's one of mine. The other two had unmarked queens in them and were tiny by comparison. What was disappointing to see for those two smaller swarms was that they're almost starving. They've had very little food in them, and despite having a small patch of brood, it's obvious that they've been struggling to build up, most likely because of the lack of food. And now that is really surprising. They've had plenty of forage available to them throughout the season, as they've been on a farm with plenty of mixed plants to take advantage of. This could explain why I'm hearing so many comments from beekeepers that they've had a terrible season for honey this year. Although there seems to have been plenty of the usual plants for bees to work, it just doesn't seem to have happened. Another interesting aspect of these three swarms is the apparently high levels of varroa mites. All three appeared to be suffering from heavy loading of varroa, and this could also account for the apparent struggle to build up over the past weeks and months. Interestingly, we've seen very little evidence of varroa this year in our other colonies, and I'm really hoping I'm not tempting fate here, but I can't recall seeing any chronic bee paralysis virus, not a single colony suffering from it. So what to do with these swarms? Well, we also have a couple of other swarms to deal with, and the sooner we sort them out, the better for their chances of survival. Currently, I don't think I have any queenless colonies, otherwise I could unite them. Everything seems to be queen right so far. Lucky me, eh? So it may well be that we unite these swarms together to form one large colony that can survive the winter. They're certainly not strong enough right now to make it through. And I think that what we'll do is get some food on them as soon as possible to start with. I'm going to go with some heavy syrup. It's easy and fast for them to deal with. They can take it down quickly and it might encourage the queens to start laying more eggs and build up. What we really need to see is the colonies building up in strength over the next six weeks or so. Will we have any warm settled weather over the next month or so? Maybe into late September or even early October perhaps? If so, they could grow large enough to sit out the winter successfully. So I'm in no rush in terms of uniting them. We can give them some food and see how they develop, uniting them towards mid-autumn if need be. The bigger issue is the varroa. We need to sort that out. I only have some formic pro strips at the moment, so perhaps we could use one of these strips per swarm. They really are too small to use a full dose on. 
I'm not sure. I don't feel comfortable using Formic Pro strips on these small colonies, so perhaps I'll just go with oxalic acid over a three-week period. To me, that seems a much more sensible and less aggressive method of treatment. Formic Pro seems more like a kill-or-cure treatment of last resort kind of treatment, and I do want to give these swarms a fighting chance of survival. I'll have to think on it and maybe get over to the apiary this afternoon and give them a feed just to get them started. With a little luck, we may well get them healthy and building up fast enough that we'll have three or four new colonies to add to the total hive count for next spring. Thus far, we appear to be heading into the autumn with around 130 colonies. Of those, very few are small nukes, so I'm hopeful we'll have a less frantic autumn but let's not get ahead of ourselves too far. Next week, I'm back checking the bees on the heather, so listen in for that. And no doubt, I'll have some videos of the trip to share with you all as well. Well, that's it for this week. Don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk. And for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.norfolk.co.uk patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. <laughs>